Hello and welcome to the Anvil podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Linda. That's Georgia. And that's Andrew. And I'm Ray! Yes, we're joined this week by our good friend Ray, who is a bit of an expert on chronic illness, which is what we're talking about this week. And as always, the Anvil doesn't represent any denomination or organisation that we're a part of. It's just literally a few friends having a chat about faith stuff and hoping that we can sharpen each other's minds in the process. So this week, our topic of discussion is chronic illness. So nice light one. I got thinking about this because of actually something that Miranda Hart said, if anybody's a fan of Miranda Hart. I saw that she'd been having a good little ramble on making some videos from her home recently. And I was really struck by something that she said about chronic illness and how countries around the world have gone into lockdown and people are experiencing this kind of horror of social isolation and reacting to it in a lot of different ways. But there's uh, one group of people in particular who have been practicing this for years and could already really identify with a lot of the struggles of what it's like to feel socially isolated. And that's people who suffer with chronic illness. And she was talking about some of the kind of mixed emotional reactions that that people who've struggled with that issue might be feeling now when hearing everybody else experiencing it for the first time and possibly feeling like their voices kind of haven't been heard for many years and now everybody's kind of experiencing this thing and they've they've been there all along so we wanted to dedicate this episode to people who've experienced chronic illness so I guess the first question to think about really is in, in our group Georgia has a lot of experience with chronic illness and Ray who we've brought on today also does and Andrew and myself I guess have some experience of supporting friends and spouses with these illnesses so do you guys just want to explain a little bit about what what your experience has been and how you're feeling about the current situation now that everybody is isolated okay so my experience is that for many years when I was about 16 15 I think I got diagnosed with ME which is a chronic illness that it basically means you have very low energy and in my case I also have chronic pain and my joints will swell up and it's it's something that's always there but it flares up if I do too much or if I get really stressed so particularly when I was in high school anytime exam periods were happening I'd have really swollen joints and I'd be just really fatigued all the time when I was about 15 and I first got it it was really bad and I was bed bound with it for a while and it's got gradually better over the years now I would almost say I don't have it at the moment, except I feel it doesn't really work like that. And I probably still have less energy than the average person. And I can certainly still have to be really careful not to overdo it and not to do too much. But it's better than it has ever been before at the moment. So I'm really lucky and really privileged that I can live a relatively normal life and I can work part time. So my experience, uh, so I've kind of had like problems with uh, ill health since I was quite young. But like chronic wise, I had a car accident and then I started having issues with my hands and my body was just quite tight and I was getting quite tired and, and then the ability of my hands weren't really working. And then just a lot of other different health problems were also around then as well. And then a couple of, well, I think it's probably how many years ago? Four years ago, Linda? How many yeah, years Yeah, I think that's about right. About four, four years ago. It was, it was um, shortly after we'd started sharing a flat. Yes. So basically just a bit of background it was Linda's dad's birthday and the whole family had come over 
and it'd been quite intense and I was like trying to be helpful so I was like driving around and stuff and, and then it got to the end and everyone had left and it was just like we were all hanging out together so it was like me Linda and our other friend Rachel and I got up and I was laughing at something and then my face just like stuck in this smiling position just imagine the joker but only half of his face smiling at you now for them it must have been terrifying for me it was painful but for them I could imagine it was terrifying and basically I I couldn't move my face properly I made a call to my mum because she used to be a nurse and then we ended up calling Mandoc and they thought I was having a stroke and I'm a bit like because I've been in hospital so much I was kind of like I don't really want to go the hospital again can we just just not I'm sure it'll get better yeah so I genuinely thought Ray was just kidding around until the moment when she said yeah maybe I should go to the hospital and then I knew it was serious yeah I don't I don't really like going to them unless I really have to <laughs> so we went to the hospital and then um my eyes went into the back of my head at one point I started not being able to breathe properly I ended up in hospital staying in and they would kind of checked me over and then I got diagnosed with this called this thing called functional neurofluorofluorofluorofluor. That's a symptom, by the way. Yeah, Linda, what's it called? <laughs> it's called functional neurological disorder, and it's just a range of different symptoms that can come on by any kind of trigger, and it's not always clear exactly what it is or what's causing it. But it's just a whole range of symptoms. It can affect everything from your speech to pain and mobility issues, getting paralysis in various parts of the body, not being able to move your hands or your legs or, you know, at some points it's resulted in being wheelchair bound or not being able to get out of bed. I mean, the speech stuff is interesting. <laughs> sometimes it's a stammer, sometimes it's absolutely perfectly normal speech and then suddenly a tricky word like functional neurological disorder and like you just end up replacing it with random words or yeah it's highly unpredictable and interesting it kind of goes with my personality though I mean I'm highly unpredictable so you know I wasn't going to get anything normal was I true the thing is it's good because throughout the process unless I'm in really like bad pain me and Linda have just laughed about it like so if I get stuck on a staircase we just laugh about it if I can't speak properly, we make up random songs with the words that I'm not using correctly. Disney songs are hilarious all of a sudden because I can't use the right words. It's great. But there's definitely a pro about being being able to have a sense of humour um, because I think, you know, a different person in your situation would find it a, a lot harder, maybe. I mean, like I've seen you on your best and worst days and it is no easy thing. And actually saying how how we laugh about it can almost seem to minimize it but I have seen you in times where you know it's taken three hours to make a short journey from your bedroom to the bathroom because you know we've had to be really creative with it like pushing you on a, a computer chair before we had the wheelchair and then trying to semi lift you down the two stairs that it took to get from like one level to the level that the bathroom was on and like just situations that you never think you're going to find yourself in as a 20 something. So but it, it definitely does help to have a sense of humor. And there are times when you can laugh about it. Like when, when you're replacing words in a well-known song with other words that kind of vaguely rhyme, but really don't fit. Those are the moments when we laugh or 
when you just kind of have to accept that I'm stuck here in the middle of the staircase and I'm going to have to wait for this to wear off before I can move, then, you know, kind of stopping and having a sense of humor about it is really helpful. And I think it's not something that everybody could do. So I think that is a real strength of yours. But yeah, that's not to undermine actually what you've been through because it is a very real illness and just a very unpredictable one. Yeah, it's, you don't really ever know what's going to happen with it. That's true of Ray generally as well. Yeah. But yeah, sort of, you know, I remember the first time, Ray, when your speech, I think the word we use is broke around mm -hmm. me and you were just talking to me. It was in the back of a church, I think, back of, a, of the cathedral on the island uh, someone we know is being ordained and you just were speaking to me and then suddenly the words were nonsense and I thought I was going mad until Linda explained what was going on because I just suddenly we've all had that experience Andrew <laughs> <laughs> I've had that experience because I'm like in my head I the words make sense and I know I'm not saying them out loud but I'm like in my head I'm going how are you Andrew but outside I'm not going to try and do an impression because I don't want to lose my speech like just trying to explain but like in my head I'm going how are you Andrew and what comes out is nonsense. I guess the thing is for both both you and Georgia you've both experienced times where you've had to be very isolated because of your illness so I don't I can speak more for, for Georgia having having been through that with her sort of close at hand there have been you know weeks when getting out of bed was a was an achievement in itself going downstairs was almost impossible and so that, that can make, make a person very isolated because obviously you can't go out, you can't see people easily. You may, even if you have friends who can come around to see you, you may not have the energy to see them. And so I guess what I want to ask sort of from my side is, right now we're all feeling a bit like that, I think. So we're all cooped up. Some of us are, are lucky enough to have friends or family living with us, so we've got some, some contact. I don't know if Georgia counts as I was lucky being stuck with me or not right okay. now. And we'll talk about that later good idea other people are are completely on their own so under how how are you guys finding it now that that everyone's having to experience an isolation that you perhaps went through for years quietly and, and unnoticed for me i think i'm finding it quite interesting in a slightly possibly cruel way watching other people go through it because it was so normal for me for so long and actually I can see how restrictive people are finding this lockdown and I really, really understand that and I really sympathise with that. And obviously if you're used to having complete freedom, it really is very restrictive. But for me, the fact that we're allowed to leave the house and go for a walk once a day is something that there have been times when I really couldn't do that and just getting outside into my garden was impossible, let alone going out for a walk and seeing something you know beyond the walls of my house and I'm someone I really get claustrophobic I hate being cooped up inside and that was one of the things when it was really bad that I found the hardest was being actually literally stuck in my bedroom or stuck in my house so it's oddly for me this is actually quite there's quite a lot of extra freedom that I haven't always had and because for me it's triggered by particularly by overwork and at the moment what work I'm able to do from home is really limited. I actually probably have more energy for things that I've not had energy left over for, for a long time. So I'm kind of had, having the luxury of doing things I don't always get to do. I think it's, it's very strange. It's very weird having so many people be staying at home or like not going out because I think it sounds a bit weird, but because I'm used to it, I was, I was talking to a friend and I, the, uh, they were like, I'm obviously, well, not obviously, I'm an extrovert. And 
like they they put up this photo of this uh, person who's an extrovert trying to scream and get out of the window because they wanted to get outside and the introvert was quite happily staying indoors and I think because you get used to not doing that you kind of like not become fine with it but you become it's an, an, your new normal so you kind of just have to get on with it I think for me when I'm stuck in like inside it's because I don't have any energy so I don't have any energy to care about it either so if I can't get out at all that day it's because I don't have any energy so the caring part kind of goes out the window as well whereas as soon as I have a little bit of energy I'm like let's get outside let's do something with the energy so it makes me sad that people are in lockdown because it's like obviously they want to go out and do their normal lives but I'm like at the same time it's I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's about having lots of energy. If you've seen the film Over the Hedge, the squirrel that like has loads of crazy. energy plants everywhere, that's Ray on a good day. And maybe to keep the animated film comparison, you know the the sloths in Zootopia or Zootropolis, whichever yeah. they call it both. So yeah, that's kind of the the range I think that you kind of experience, Ray, in cartoon. Yeah, animation. it's like. It's a bit weird because I'm trying to kind of get to a level where I don't go completely squirrel <laughs> in these two examples. So I'm just trying to get to the point where I don't go completely squirrel and I don't get to sloth point. But obviously with a chronic thing, you can't control a good day. Like you could wake up, you could have rested the day before and you could wake up and you're like, I deserve to get to do what I want today. But that's not really a thing you experience when you've got something that's chronic. It's like, it's not a deserved thing. It's just, it happens to you. You don't get to choose. And I think it's hard because obviously people that are healthy and I'm kind of worried as well. Um, people that are healthy or have got mental health problems because they're now indoors and they're not getting to see people. That makes me more concerned. And it's like a few friends um, and I've been like talking about how people that didn't have mental health problems will now potentially have mental health problems from not being able to have that human contact that they would normally have. So I, like it, it concerns me I'm not I'm obviously not happy that everyone else is staying in I think that I'm this is like a one good thing that being ill has brought out of it but I'm a little bit more settled with having to stay in than I would be if I wasn't sick if that makes sense but it's not still being ill isn't a good thing I think from now forevermore we're going to be rating our chronic illness days on a scale of slug to squirrel yes Actually, I really agree with what you're saying, Ray. I think it's been a lot easier for me than I've seen it be for people around me because it's so normal for me. I, I touched earlier on about how in some ways I've got more freedom and more energy now than I normally do. But I suppose the flip side to that, like you say, is that allows you to really sympathise with other people because you really, really get what they're going through. So you can kind of, you're almost carrying some of that sometimes that you can see how much, how hard the people around you are finding it and you remember what it was like when you first got ill and you suddenly had to adjust to that. I think as well it's just like on top of that I think it's in a weird way it, the lockdown rules have kind of given me a goal for each day so before it was kind of it's weird because I was trying to get to the point where I could kind of get to a routine because being having a routine for me and kind of keeping one up when you've got you're ill and like trying to force yourself to do something when you haven't got the capacity is quite difficult but I think in a weird way the lockdown rules has kind of given me a goal of like trying to get out at least once a day and that was kind of a hard thing to try and do and I'm not like doing it every day like yesterday I didn't have the energy to go out at all or do any sort of like exercise 
but having that goal in place is kind of giving me a bit more motivation to try and do it which isn't something it's a bit of a weird good thing that's come out of a bad situation if that makes sense yeah definitely I think the struggle that I've seen in sharing a flat with you and kind of experiencing this whole journey with you is that learning how to pace yourself is just such a difficult thing like trying to adjust to a whole different lifestyle where you're doing more than you would on a bad day and less than you want to on a good day to try and just conserve some of that energy and get into that routine which it just it's such a simple thing to say but for somebody like yourself who is extroverted who wants to be out and about and seeing people to try and not use all of that energy that you have when you don't know when you're going to have that energy again is just a really hard thing to do and so I'm I, I'm really glad that this time is is helping you to be able to like narrow down the amount of times you can go out for instance and really helping you to solidify that routine. The other thing that has been in a way much easier for me because of the lockdown is that I'm actually oddly less isolated. I mean obviously we can't just like come for dinner at your guys' house or whatever which is really sad and we miss being able to do stuff like that but when I've had bad periods before and I've been properly stuck in the house obviously everyone else's life is just going on as normal and you're the only one who's stuck in the house so Andrew would still be going to work every day and all my friends would still have like work and social lives that I'm just not joining in with and because everyone's in the same situation now Andrew's always home so if I did have an ill day and I couldn't get out of bed he'd actually be here to bring me food and help me get to the toilet and bring me a drink when I need one whereas normally he has to like leave me with a pile of stuff by my bed if I'm having a really bad day and I've just got to like last on that until he gets home. I don't leave a toilet by her bed she does have to manage that by herself. <laughs> Not the toilet the food and the drink I meant and entertainment but I can't get out of bed necessarily and you're very alone then. But also in terms of like the social stuff, because everyone's stuck at home, everyone's in the same boat, everyone's a bit bored, everyone's up for a Zoom chat or whatever, whenever you want one. So there's always someone there to talk to. Whereas when it's just you, you actually feel like you're being quite a burden sometimes, I think, if you're like going, oh, do you fancy Skyping or whatever? Because I can't actually come out and do the social things that the rest of the friendship group is doing. So I think that's been a much more pleasant experience of being sort of just in and isolated, oddly. Yeah, so obviously we've discussed a bit about how how chronic illness has affected your guys' experience of, of the, the coronavirus lockdown. I guess it'd be nice to sort of broaden out the discussion a bit and maybe a question for for all four of us, because they say um, Ray and Georgia have experience of, of experiencing chronic illness and Linda and I have both been, been there in the position of being the primary support for someone, both physically and emotionally, um, going through chronic illness. So I know for me, something that I found hard is it really shines a light on, for me, how deceptive the idea that goes around that if you have faith, enough faith, you will be healed of anything. God will heal everything that's wrong with you if you have faith. And I think it's not obvious I think that that isn't a promise that's, that's clear in the Bible and also it's just demonstrably false. God doesn't heal everybody who has faith. I don't think it's good enough or okay to say, well, if you're not healed, you don't have faith. That's the, the no true Scotsman argument. You, you just disqualify someone from being a true Christian with faith just because they haven't been healed. And I think that that's a false road to go down. But I wonder how how you guys have all sort of 
found that how do you view that how do you do sort of healing ministry through the lens of either having or or being close to someone with chronic illness yeah it's a really interesting one because i 100 percent believe that god heals and actually i don't think it's a case of people who have faith and yet aren't healed i think it's aren't healed yet and i don't mean that in the really triggering sense that you haven't got enough faith or that your miracle is on its way soon but i think that there is always that hope of heaven and that is going to be a time when everything is restored you know there's a new heaven and a new earth and god is coming to make all things new and i think that a lot of the time people can get obsessed about claim your healing or have more faith and you need to be like pushing for this healing now but actually i believe that god is supreme over everything and even though that doesn't necessarily give us comfort if we're waiting for some good news and it's not happening right now i do believe that there is that kind of promise of a future when everything will be perfect and so i think for that reason I'm always wary of people who put too much stock in their faith almost being reliant on a healing. Like I know some people who, who really their mental health suffers because that they just won't let go of or won't come to a, a point of acceptance of an illness because they're just desperate for that healing and that their faith is based on this God can heal me. Why are you not healing me? I'm just going to keep praying and I'm going to keep hanging on to this hope that I'm going to be healed. And like, I think it's wonderful to have that kind of faith, but when it becomes just so reliant on depending on a healing right now um, and just constantly, I guess, putting life on hold and waiting for that healing, I think that that can really miss something and also can be quite damaging to people who are you know equating their illness with faith and going am I not praying enough am I not having enough faith I think it can be quite a damaging message I think the the nature of chronic illnesses is that it means long term and so um it's kind of a different ballgame. I think it'd be rare to meet a Christian with a chronic illness who hadn't prayed, uh, who didn't have faith, because I think it takes a lot of faith to live as a Christian with a chronic illness, because the nature of it is that you haven't yet received a healing. And so I don't, I don't think you could criticize any Christian who's living with a chronic illness for not having enough faith. Just to pick up on what Linda was saying, I think the other thing about a lot of chronic illnesses, certainly about ME, is that by the very nature of it, you could never really put a finger on a point and go, you have been healed and it will never come back. I think the best description I've ever heard for ME, is it's like having an elephant that lives on your back. And if you feed that elephant, elephant with lots of stress and overdoing it and just failing to pay to yourself, the elephant gets bigger and it weighs heavier and it's harder to carry and it takes has more of an impact on your day-to-day -day life and if you starve that elephant by pacing yourself and by trying not to stress about things that don't need to be stressed about and all doing all the right things as it were um it can become small it can become so small you don't notice it's there but that doesn't necessarily mean it's gone 
I said at the beginning that I'm very lucky that at the moment it doesn't have a massive impact on me. But part of the reason for that is that I have found a way to shape my life around the reality that that elephant lives on my back. And I only work part time. And I think I've had to face the fact that I'm probably never going to be able to work full time as much as I would like to. And I have to choose to miss out on things because I know I can't do everything that I want to do or that I would like to be part of. That means that my day-to-day -day life is much less impacted by the reality of chronic illness now, but that doesn't mean I'm healed or it's gone away. And I do actually think there's been, God has been in that process of me getting better and he's been in the process of helping me to accept my limitations so that I can live a semi-normal life, but that doesn't mean that I'm healed and I couldn't really ever call myself healed because of the nature of what it is. And also, similarly to what Ray was saying earlier, I can do all the right things I could still have a bad day. There are things I can do with Emmy that help me to have a more normal life. And that's been a long process of learning and accepting my kind of limitations and my pacing, but it doesn't automatically work that way. And it doesn't always work that way. And I can be doing all the right things and still have a flare up for no real reason. And um, that's just kind of the reality of it. I think the other thing is that, I mean, like Linda said, again, I do, I really do believe that God does still heal people today. But I don't believe that we're all promised that. I don't believe that I've specifically been promised that I will be healed and it will never come back and it will never impact me again. And while I also don't believe that God gave me any, I don't think it was a punishment or because I was doing something wrong or I didn't have enough faith. I do believe he's brought real good out of it. And it's been a real learning curve and not one I've really appreciated or wanted, but I think it's made me a better person and a better Christian. It's, it's taught me patience. It's taught me to rely on God rather than relying on my own strength because my own strength really hasn't been that reliable. I think that's, that's where I looked for God in the situation is, is not in this massive miraculous healing, but in bringing good out of all the kind of pain and the frustration. But that is a really, really damaging view. And I know that when it's been you know, when I've been in stages where it's been worse than it is now, and it has been really impacting my everyday life in a much more real, painful, frustrating way, it's been really hard not to get frustrated with God because I want to go, where are you in this? And why aren't you fixing it? I know you could, and I hate it, and I don't want my life to be like this. And that's, that's just a reality. That's a difficult thing that you have to deal with with a Christian with a chronic illness. And the last thing you need when you're trying to work through that frustration and make peace with God and make peace with your situation is someone going, oh, well, it's your fault, you're not healed. If you had a bit more faith, you would have been. So f from your point of view, do you think that, like, like, if God healed you, it would only be for a time? I don't know. That's a hard question. Sorry, I just got, I, I got, don't know if I just got a bit lost in what you were saying, because I was just thinking, I'm like, because, it, like, for me, for healing, if, like, if I got prayer and then God had told me he'd healed me, it would be, I wouldn't think that it was in a part, I would think it was in completion, if that makes sense. I think what I mean is that I don't think that's something that God has promised me. I think if he said to me, I'm going to heal you and it will be properly fully gone, then yes, I believe he'd, he'd fully healed me. But I think that the nature of, of ME and of a lot of chronic illnesses is they come and go. And I do think God said to me that you're going to get better, but I didn't take the other, you're actually going to be miraculously healed and it will all be gone. Um, and I think if I had taken it that way, it could have been quite dangerous because if I'd immediately tried to rush back into living a really normal life, I could have sent me quite a long way backwards. Even if you, if you take the example of Jesus, 
the stories in the Bible of when he heals people. There's so many different ways that he does it, you know, from pick up your mat and walk to I'm just going to rub some mud in your eyes and then, oh, you can see a little bit. Okay, give it a minute. Maybe you can see a bit more or get in this pool and wash yourself. And it's not always like a, a one size fits all. And some some healings can be instant. Some can take a little while. And I'm sure there are some people who have some experience of healing for a time. And then uh, I've heard stories where people have then regressed and really questioned what's going on which is where I really have to hang on to the premise that everything is going to be perfect one day, you know, ultimately in heaven. And I think that people, people's experiences around healing and around illness are so incredibly personal. And there's as many stories as there are people. I was just thinking, so like, I've never like, I've never heard God go, uh, you're going to be completely healed for me. I believe completely that he could do that. I, I, have the, I don't have any doubt that he could do that. And I've seen him do amazing things. But at the same time, it's like, it's not, for me, it's faith-wise. It's not like I'm with you until you heal me or if you don't heal me, I'm leaving. Like, it's like, it, we're in this together. I'm like, with healing, without healing, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying, like... It's not, it's, it sounds a bit weird. It's not a deal breaker for me. It's like God is still good and he's still God. And I might, it might suck on some days, like really suck. But then he's still there with you in the mud. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a, a really, really good way of looking at it. That it's more that your, your health and the healing isn't, isn't your faith in God isn't dependent on whether or not you're healed. And I think that's, that's <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you've phrased it a lot better, but I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at really is that it, it's not that I don't believe that God could miraculously and fully heal me, but I think what he's promised me is a rest and a respite. And I don't know how long that will last and maybe I'll be lucky and it will last for the rest of my life and maybe it won't, but it kind of doesn't matter because like you say, God will be there with me in it if I get bed bound again tomorrow or if I'm able to live at this level for the rest of my life or if one day he does fully heal me and I can go back to living a normal life. I was just thinking as well as you're saying that that even in sickness it can be used for his glory so like it can still even though we're sick it's not like we can't be used and that by not leaving by sticking it out by knowing God's grace and love even in sickness actually he uses that and it's like uh <laughs> me and Linda <laughs> had a conversation because somebody said to me once it was like oh if I if I had what you had I'd be depressed and, and miserable why would you even still want to be here <laughs> and it was just very like uh, because I had God and I have faith and I have I'm not saying that 100% of the time that I have contentment with the situation but I just laughed like it it wasn't like a it didn't even hit me at all it was just it sort of just bounced off and I feel like that sentence could be quite damaging to the wrong person but yeah, I'm like tip, please do not say that to anyone ever ever yeah you got lucky <laughs> very lucky yeah no it just like I'm I'm working on being content and having that joy 
within the circumstance and I'm not saying that I get it 100% of the time and not every day is a great day but it's like he's still good he's still there yeah definitely and I think that actually that is a position that in many ways takes even more faith to be at a point where you can say yes all of this is happening to me but I still have hope and I still have faith in God and I believe that he is my strength through all of this I think that um it would be very difficult right for anyone to meet you or you judge it and to say they don't have enough faith because I think that you both exhibit amazing faith through everything that life kind of throws at you and it's it's not about the amount you you know from from what Jesus says even faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain and so it's never going to be a question of you didn't have enough faith for that miracle to happen you clearly have faith and that's that's all that's needed I think um because I had a bit of a similar situation when I was 15 and I was first diagnosed the doctor who diagnosed me with ME wanted to automatically put me onto antidepressants because he just assumed that as a teenager who was now housebound who previously had been very active and done a lot of sort of extracurricular stuff and done well in school and all of that and all of a sudden I was housebound and we didn't know if I'd ever be able to finish high school he just sort of assumed that I must be depressed and must need antidepressants and I had to really fight back against that and push back and say I'm genuinely not depressed I'm not thrilled with this situation but I'm okay and I'm at peace with it and I genuinely was and that was very much a god thing and yeah I just I haven't needed him to to provide that healing I've certainly been frustrated at times but I've needed him to be with me no matter what's happening not to make my life go a certain way and I think the other thing you said about how he can still use you even though you're sick I think is so so true and I think it's so easy when you're first diagnosed particularly if you're kind of housebound or stuck at home a lot to kind of feel like your life's been put on hold and you can't do anything until you get better and that's so not true you can have such an important voice and you can have such a full life it's just going to be a different life than the one you perhaps envisioned but I think my faith is so much stronger because I've experienced chronic illness and I've had to rely on on God in that way and I'm in some ways quite thankful that I've had that experience actually as frustrating as it's been at times. Yeah I think obviously my experience is very different from either either Ray or, or Georgia because I've never experienced chronic illness myself in that way but I know from sort of being alongside Georgia and seeing people's responses and people's reaction that often it's been, you know, I've been the one out and about and say among our church family and in several different churches, seeing how people react is different. I remember uh, one church where it was almost like, like you didn't exist, Georgia. So no one asked after you. And that hurt me when I was there, but it was almost like they didn't want to confront the fact that that someone was that ill and actually that in need. Yeah. And I think you can become quite invisible. If, if the people around you and in your life aren't very aware, you can kind of just disappear and that can be very challenging. I think that, that attitude can make a big difference, actually. Their attitude to whether you'll be healed or not, obviously it's a big deal if they think that you're not, you don't have enough faith to be healed. But other than that, does that I don't know if that makes sense at all. Most of what I say doesn't. <laughs> no, it made sense. <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, something Georgia said earlier about how uh, going to the doctors and having to kind of convince them that it's not depression and I it's like I've been to the doctors as well and it's like if you go in you, you've been diagnosed they know what you have by this point I've been in and they're like 
oh, you look really well, just because I've put some makeup on, I suddenly look like I'm not sick. And I'm like, it's amazing what makeup can do. I'm like, I'm perfectly fine, obviously, if it's going off of makeup. And it's just, uh, it's just crazy how much that you could just pretend you're fine if you just put on some makeup. And then at other times I've been into the doctors still with makeup on and you can tell I look like death because it's like, you're trying to kind of make yourself feel a little bit more human again. And like, one of the things then lockdown as well that is kind of I've seen it everywhere is to like you know get dressed do the things you would normally do when you get up so like you know get dressed like if you put on makeup put makeup on and like try and do your normal pattern even though you can't leave the house and I was like okay that's a good kind of thing to try and get my head still in the mental place so that I don't kind of go out of the pattern again thinking back in the like in the beginning stages I think I like got in my bedroom I kind of made this happy wall and there was days that I was in my room and I couldn't move. Like Linda would have to drag me out if I needed to get to the loo or something. And I made this happy wall with people up there. And I was like, if I can make any of them smile or I can pray for any of them, then it's like, I can still do something. It doesn't mean that I'm not, like I can't do something for people just because I'm not able to move. And it's like, I also in that time I've had to like learn fairly quickly that that works don't mean love, if that makes sense. Like you don't, you shouldn't be loved on what you do for other people. It's just, you should love them for you love them. And I think because I'm an acts of service type of person, I was like, but I need to be serving and doing something. How do I, how do I show people that I love them if I don't do something for them? And that was quite a difficult thing to kind of relearn, if that makes sense. One of the things that I've definitely learned in walking alongside you with all of this, right? is the different attitudes that you can come across in people, particularly around that whole, oh, you've got makeup on, you look well, you must be okay. (laughs) And it really frustrates me, but I can understand how to people who don't understand the nature of the illness and who don't see you on your bad days, it can look like, oh she's fine because she was out with her friends or she she was fine because I saw her in the in the supermarket or she must be fine because she looked really well that time when I saw her I know that's something that a lot of people find really frustrating is the idea of having an invisible illness where people only see you on your good days and they don't actually know what's behind the scenes and I think part of living with a condition like that is that in order to stay positive you do focus on the good days and you do try to make yourself look at your best when you have the energy to do so and you you try to put the best kind of version of your yourself out there if you're having a good day and you're able to be out with friends and enjoying yourself you don't want to be showing this kind of fragile ill damaged person to to the world but like it, it holds a frustration, doesn't it? When you're try, trying to present a healthy person, but then it kind of comes back against you when people are almost then doubting whether you're really ill or the nature of your illness. Have you found, like both of you, have you found um, frustrations around that? Or are there any other things that you can think of that might be helpful if there are people listening who maybe have friends who have a chronic illness that they don't know very much about and maybe if they're in that position where they only really see them on their good days is there any helpful advice that you could have from them as a supporter how how can they be there for their friends and or anything that that you can say that might help them understand uh, a little bit 
more about what that's like? I think that's something I definitely have found frustrating. I think one thing I've realised is for ME particularly, I've had it for about a decade now and in that decade I've seen people come to understand it a lot better and that largely is because more and more people seem to be being diagnosed with it unfortunately. When I was diagnosed with it 10 years ago it was still, it wasn't a new disease but it was a relatively unusual disease. It, it was yucky flu back then basically wasn't it? It was sort of just coming out of the stage but it had, it had previously been called yucky flu yes and very much it was something that people thought people were just making up to kind of get to stay home and get attention and not have to do anything with their lives. Also, it was at that time really unusual for someone as young as I was to get diagnosed with it. And again, I've noticed that younger and younger people seem to be being diagnosed with it. And I've got no idea whether that's all medical backing to that. But I've seen a lot of people kind of my age and in their teens who have it now, which is a real, real shame, but personally has made it a lot easier for me because there's a much greater understanding out there. And people generally believe me now. They believe it's a real thing, whereas it used to be I wouldn't want to tell people what my diagnosis was because when they heard ME or chronic fatigue syndrome, they'd think, they'd immediately go, oh, well, that's just that thing that people make up. It's just that hypochondria thing. It's not a real thing. And I'm very grateful. I can now tell people what I've got and they may or may not know what it is. If they do, they probably believe me that it's a genuine thing. But certainly there is still a case of, there are people who hear it and still don't believe me. But the bigger thing nowadays I find is people who don't know me and don't know there's something wrong with me so assume I'm being lazy and I find that very very challenging because I'm someone who is I want to be busy all the time I really struggle not to be doing stuff it's sort of the opposite of who I am which is probably you know part of the reason I got it was because I overdid it in the first place and I just I sent my body to a place of total shutdown because I completely wore myself out I think one thing that I'm hoping might come out of everything that's happening right now, and obviously it's just such a difficult time, but I'm hoping that one of the good things that maybe can come out of it is people realising that the vast majority of people don't want to sit at home all day. It's not actually fun. Like, I understand how that might feel appealing to you. And I know particularly when I was in school, there were people who were like, oh, well, I'd love to be you and not have to go to school anymore. And they thought I was either making it up or even if they believed me that I wasn't in school because I was ill, they'd still think I was kind of lucky somehow. And I'm hoping that everyone having been stuck at home will maybe realise that it's not, it's not actually enjoyable. It sounds great when you're really busy and overworked, but in reality, it's a pretty miserable way to live and no no one would really want to live that way. So if someone's, someone is, there's probably a genuine and good reason for them. There's always going to be somebody that questions it. It's, it's a bit weird for me because I go through stages where sometimes when someone goes, goes, they'll be like, oh, so you're still ill. I'm like, yep, still ill. I'm like, but you look really well. I'm like, yeah. And there's that part of you that shouldn't exist, but it does exist that makes you go, I feel like I now need to convince you. And we shouldn't do that but as humans I think there's like there's been too many people that I felt like I needed to convince which is really stupid and then there's people that will will see me break or see me get paralysis and in a weird way I, I'm, I find it very like I don't get embarrassed very easily but it, I feel inconvenient to the person or people so we've I've broken house group before and sort of it's kind of a bit of a joke now if I break because we're only doing it over like video call at the moment, it's not as bad because my speech will just go and then I'll leave. <laughs> not enough, that sounds awful. <laughs> I'm just, I, I get a little bit like, oh, chuck me on the bed, I'll be in a lot of pain later. But it's just then I'm being less inconvenient for people. 
because it's just like it's quicker also it's probably going to be more painful if they try to do it nicely that sounds awful but it's because it takes longer if people do it nicely whereas they just chuck you over it's quicker it's more funny and you're laughing through the pain this is trailed off into a question that wasn't happening this is definitely not general advice for how to treat people with chronic illnesses (laughs) it's a very very specific situation sorry yeah don't don't just put people on a bed (laughs) not good life advice (laughs) (laughs) that's really okay apologies to make (laughs) okay wait roll back i apologize don't do that to one anyone ever i am a weirdo which i feel like we've already established when you said earlier that you know as soon as you say oh are you still ill just reminded me of my aunt who sadly passed away towards the end of last year. She had muscular dystrophy. It's obviously a, as a disability. It's, it's lifelong. It's genetic. Where your muscles just waste away, basically. So you, you really um, struggle with everyday movement. And the government had her, she had to like redo forms to show she was still disabled to keep getting benefits. Which is just, you know, it, it's one thing when you have something that might get better. But I think as a society, we're often quite bad at understanding that some people don't just they're not gonna happen and i think with chronic illnesses well we hope obviously for healing we hope that either there'll be medical treatment or that god will will step in we also have the understanding that this is a long-term thing by definition and with that it also forces the person to justify themselves and their illnesses when everything within your human nature wants to go Oh, but I'm doing quite well <laughs> and look at how much I achieved on that day and you kind of want to look for the 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 good and the positives but whenever it comes to doctors and benefits and all of that kind of stuff it all really is around I have to explain what I'm like on my worst day and just really some sometimes those forms can be oh like emotionally quite taxing just to kind of look through this and go realistically how many days in this period of time have I been in this situation and just kind of focusing on those those bad days I think with the with with the sickness as well with going back to the whole that having to convince somebody I've heard so many like bad stories of that having to convince doctors or people getting sent home because they're not believed at the hospital and things like that and it's like there is somebody who understands exactly what you're going through and even when you're at your lowest, knowing that he's there too, knowing someone that completely understands, and even if no one else around you understands what you're going through, he knows exactly what you're going through, and just trying to hold on to that, and then trying to trying to find the joy in the situation. And for me, obviously, laughter really works. So that's why me and Linda end up laughing in so many situations. But yeah, finding what helps you for you almost like finding rainbows in the silence. I think somebody who's really good at exactly what you've just described is the author, Emily Owen. She writes an awful lot of devotional things, but she's also written a a kind of a personal testimony story about her struggle with chronic illness, which we're in the process of reading and actually following on from this podcast on chronic illness, we're gonna be reviewing her book next week. It's called Still Emily. And the tagline is finding rainbows in the silence. And she just has an incredible story of 
how God has been with her through her chronic illness, not in taking it away, but in finding those rainbows <laughs> throughout. So we're going to be carrying on our discussion around chronic illness next week by reviewing that book. It is an absolutely amazing testimony and I'm lucky enough not only to be able to read Emily's book but to say that she's a dear friend and she visited the island so we've all met her in person we won't let that bias our review but she is absolutely fantastic if you want to get hold of a copy the book Still Emily is published by Sarah Grace Publishing and it's definitely well worth getting hold of Contact your local Christian bookshop if you're able. Obviously, we know a lot of them are closed at the moment due to the current restrictions. Be aware, many of them will be able to deliver stuff to your house if you order online or over the phone. Check out what they can do for you. And if all else fails, if you leave a note on the Anvil Facebook page, we will pick up on it and we'll help you find the closest bookshop or we'll uh, get an order to you direct from us. I think that's probably about all we've got time for this week. But the good news is Ray is going to join us again next week as we review Still Emily. We'll be able to look forward to that. But for now, you can find The Anvil online at www.churchesbookshop.im. And if you scroll down, click the link to The Anvil podcast and you can see us there. We're available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Acast, where we're hosted. And on social media, we're facebook.com forward slash The Anvil look us up there join the discussion we really love to hear from those of you who are listening for now though this has been the anvil podcast and church's bookshop that's linda that's georgia that's me and that's andrew